gospel of God and Timothy our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers in Christ from Clossy. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that springs from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel, that has come to you all over the world. This gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been going among the sin- you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Ephraim, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ in our, be, on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through the spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to the glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share the inheritance of the saints of the kingdom of the light. For this has re- for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the sons he loves, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Praise the Lord to his reading. Open to Colossians 1. That's what we're looking at uh, this morning, just to whet our appetite for our series in Colossians um, in term three and beyond, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. I want to start with the question, does the gospel give us what we really need? Uh, In my last year of Bible college, I did a work experience, uh, work placement at a retirement home. Presbyterian Aged Care it was called, there's a few of them around Sydney and I was working together with the chaplain there, Phil Paul, who's a lovely man and I'll tell you it was an eye opener uh, working in that retirement home. Um, the smells, you know, the, the uh, I, I chatted to a lady who was 100, 102 I think um, and the, uh, the struggles of age. So it was, it was a real eye-opener. It was confronting for me. There was uh, one place in Dremoyne where we went to the dementia wing and um, you go in there and you can't get back out because you can't tell what the door is. They've painted it so you don't know where the door is to get out. There's just a little keypad um, to get out and uh, you know, it, was, um, it was a real eye-opener. And it made me think, well, does the gospel really give us what we need? when there's so much suffering and hardship in the world. 
there are pastors, preachers out there who preach extra things to just the death and resurrection of Jesus. They might preach that if you're a Christian, you'll definitely get physical healing. Or if you're a Christian, you'll, you'll get wealth and prosperity. Um, you know, I'm not sure that that is uh, all that helpful at all. There is in your life where you wonder if the gospel is giving you what you need or if you need more. And that's what the book of Colossians is all about. There were people coming into the Colossian church at the time that were telling them there's more to the gospel. There's more to the spiritual experience than you have. Your life isn't enough, isn't satisfying. You need more than Jesus. That's why Paul's writing to this church in Colossae. He'd never been there before. But um, we see in verse 7 that uh, Epaphras, the man who planted the church in Colossians, has come to Paul. Paul's in prison in Rome. And he's told him that some bad stuff is going down in Colossae. And that he, as the, the great apostle, needs to write into the situation. And hence the letter of Colossians. At the time uh, in that region, it was in Turkey, Colossae, or still is today. At that time, there was a real fear of the spirit world, a real fear of the spiritual realm. You can pick this up if you go to chapter 2 and verse 8. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. That's the messages they were being given by the false teachers. Hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than Christ. Now, uh, in the Greek language, that basic principles of the world can actually be translated the basic spirits of the world. So there was a great fear of the spiritual realm, a great focus on angels and demons in the time at Colossians and they were getting freaked out and they were doing all sorts of weird stuff, weird stuff that had nothing to do with the gospel to try and keep themselves safe from that evil spiritual realm. There was other dodgy stuff going on in the church at the time as well. These false teachers were saying, add works to the gospel. Go back to the Jewish faith. And this was a real problem for Paul. He must have blown up when he was told about it in prison in Rome because he knows that fullness in Christ is what the gospel is all about. We've got it all. We don't need to go searching for more. We've got it all in Jesus. And so Paul writes to them and wants them to know. So we'll go back to the start of the letter and uh, step our way through chapter 1. We see there in verse... uh, Well, he introduces himself in in the beginning of the letter. And then in verse 4, he tells them what he's heard about them from Epaphras. He says, we've heard of your faith. We've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. We've heard of your love. The love you have for all the people in the church. Epaphras was pretty stoked about that. He told me all about it. I think that's a great thing, Paul says. And he says, you know, that comes from that sufficient gospel you believed in once. See, it comes from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven 
that you've heard about in the word of truth, the gospel. It comes from that great, sufficient, perfect gospel that is enough for our life now and the future. Aren't those great words, the hope that is stored up for you in heaven? It's a wonderful hope we have stored up for us as we age, as we face trials, things we didn't expect in life. We have this sure and blessed hope stored up for us in heaven, the hope of eternal life. Paul reminds them that, and he says there, see there in verse 6, it's been come to you, you've understood God's grace in all its truth. That's the gospel, the undeserved gift of Jesus, God's grace. And he says in verse 6, it's growing all throughout the world. You don't need to add to this message. It's a message like dynamite that grows and changes people's lives and sets them on a course to heaven. Paul wants them to know they're on the right track and they don't need to go elsewhere to believe anything else but Jesus. Okay, so next in the passage we see Paul shares what he's praying for them. If you go to verse 9, he says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we heard all that good stuff, we've not stopped praying for you. What an encouragement for us to pray for our brothers and sisters, hey? Paul did. We've not stopped praying for you. And what? Asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Paul prays the big prayers, doesn't he? Not just praying that the antibiotics will work or that, you know, um, Betty will recover from her leg injury, which is good. God wants to hear all this stuff. But Paul prays the big prayers when you look in, in his letters. Do we pray a prayer like this? God, would you please fill me with the knowledge of your will? Please fill me with your spiritual wisdom and understanding. Wouldn't it be great to have those prayers answered as God opens our eyes just a little bit to his greatness, to his sufficiency, to the greatness of the gospel? Let's pray this prayer for one another. Why don't you remember this verse and pray it for someone at this church this week? So he tells them what he's praying for them. And he says in verse 10, I'm praying this so that you will live a life worthy of the Lord and please the Lord in every way. You see, there they were getting set astray by false teaching. Be careful what you read and listen to. It's not always right. They're not living a life worthy of the Lord because they're slipping away from the Lord. so easy to slip away from the Lord at times, isn't it? I remember, I can't remember where I was a few months ago, just lying in, in bed, I don't know if we were on holidays or something, and I just thought, I've been slipping from God a bit. I need God's help. And I said, God, help me to stay close to you. So Paul says, we want to live a life worthy of the Lord and please the Lord in every way. How do we do that? Four things he shows. Bearing fruit, growing in knowledge, being strengthened, 
and verse 11 and 12, joyfully giving thanks. Four things he identifies there, just four things. He was rattling off his tongue of ways we can stay strong in God. So let's think about them individually. The first one, they're bearing fruit in every good work. We know we're saved by grace. We know we're saved by God. We're not saved by our own works. But we're still called to live God's way, aren't we? We're still called to, to, to live out the, the beauty of the Christian faith. We're called to bear fruit in our life. Fruit is, is the good works of the Christian faith. Bearing fruit in every good work. I probably need a few more non-Christian friends, but I love hanging out with Christians and, and just receiving how awesome you guys are. You know, it's, it's lovely when the people of God love you and bless you and, and, and serve you and minister to you and bear fruit, bear the Christian fruit towards you. Mel and I did appreciate the love you've shown us in the past 12 months. Thank you for bearing that fruit. And let us continue to live out our faith, bearing fruit in every good work, living God's way, living out the Christian life, serving, loving, caring, praising. Next one there is uh, growing in the knowledge of God. That's a pretty good one, isn't it? Another way that Paul says they can live a life worthy of the Lord, growing in the knowledge of God. Do you think we'll ever be able to know everything about God? We'll be learning about him forever, won't we? How cool will that be? I bet there'll be a big library in heaven or something where we can just go and read about him for hours or maybe we'll just go and hang out with him ourselves and have a chat and we'll keep growing in the knowledge of God. You know our new little catchphrase here, connect, grow, serve. I thought I'd came up with it, but Paul did, didn't he? Growing in the knowledge of God is key to the Christian life. We want you to connect with God and one another, but then grow in your Christian faith. It was only when I started reading the Bible as a 20-year-old that I really started to grow in God. Is scripture an important part of your life to grow in the knowledge of God? Bearing fruit, growing, being strengthened. This is a mouthful, this one, isn't it? Verse 11. It takes a while just to understand what he's talking about. Being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. I want that, don't you? I was sitting in there in my office this morning thinking, praying about the message today and thinking about Savannah's anniversary. And, and I thought, hang on, I need God to strengthen me with all power according to his glorious might so that I may have great endurance and patience. We need endurance at times. As a parent, I need endurance and patience. We need the Lord to help us. What, what do you need endurance and patience for at the moment? Where do you need God to come into your life and help you?
You know, he wants to. He's your God. And he can. Look at what he can do. Strengthen you with all his power. Not according to his feeble little weak arms. No, according to his glorious might. No matter what we face, he's there. He's powerful. He loves us. We need to remember to look to him. Throw up a prayer and ask for his help. The last one there is to joyfully give thanks to the Father, which is a wonderful thing to think about. I want to get to that a bit later as we, um, as we conclude because it ties in, I think, to the main message of this text. So we see what Paul is praying for them. We saw, firstly, he's heard about them. He's heard about how good they are. He's also heard about some of the dodgy stuff going on. And now he's saying, I'm praying for you about this. That's a reminder for us to be in prayer for our Christian brothers and sisters. So the main point, I think, of um, Colossians 1, at least the first half, is about what God has done in the gospel. As the bulletin says, the greatness of the gospel, I think, is the big idea here. The greatness of the gospel, because the whole letter... Paul is just so full on saying, guys, don't add to the gospel. Trust in it. Lean on it. Fall upon it. It's sufficient for you. So this is what Paul's saying here. Have a look at verse 13. The reason they can live out this fruit in their life is because God has rescued them and us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I used to live with a bloke called uh, Ian, who's a... Well, I lived with two guys called Ian, but the Ian I'm thinking of... uh, Well, both of them actually were Presbyterian ministers. This guy was an older guy. And um, this was his favourite verse. And he wrote big essays on Colossians and preached all these sermons on Colossians. This was his favourite verse in the whole Bible. And it was all to do with the idea of being brought into the kingdom of Jesus. You see, Ian's big bugbear or big theme was, you know, we live our life like we're still living on the kingdom of the earth. We live our life not like we're living as subjects of the kingdom of Jesus. That's not to say we're not doing a good job or anything. That's not what he meant What he meant is we don't often think that we've been transferred to a new kingdom. We're living in a victorious kingdom that is ruled by a king. We may not see it yet because he came as a kingdom of grace, an invisible kingdom where he rules from heaven, but we are living in that kingdom. How did we get there? Well, in verse 13, he rescued us into the kingdom. How did he rescue us? Through the cross, verse 14, through the redemption, through the liberation, through the freedom that he won by his death. We were bound and blinded by that old creep, the devil, like everyone as a non-Christian is. They're in the devil's kingdom. We love them, but they're in the devil's kingdom. We've been transferred to God's kingdom and placed there safely, Through the blood of Jesus Christ, that cross defeated that old foe, Satan. He's got nothing on you now. 
And we've been transferred into God's kingdom, forgiven, loved, redeemed, perfectly set up forever. Why would you need to add anything else to a gospel like that? You don't need to add rosary beads to it. You don't need to add a shrine or a temple. You don't need to add Scientology to this gospel. You don't need to add worldliness and just living for the things of this life to make you happy. This gospel of Jesus is so sufficient for you, for your needs, for your life, for your pain. God is so sufficient for you that he's rescued you into this new kingdom. And though you can't see it now, you'll be transferred into it. You'll keep walking into it when you die and will live into it forever. He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness. Sounds like a horror movie, doesn't it? But it is. Oh, friends, if our eyes could see that evil spiritual realm, we'd be terrified. But if our eyes could see the Lord Jesus standing on his throne in glorious victory over that pity little evil realm, we'd be stoked, wouldn't we? Because that is what's happening. He has rescued us by that cross from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom. There's nothing better than the gospel. And there's nothing we need to add to it. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. You've been saved if you believe. That's it. You've been rescued. Rescued from the dominion of darkness. You know those things that come on the news where the sailor is flipped over on his boat and needs the, uh, the uh, army boat to come out and rescue him. What was that guy's name? Tony Bullimore or something like that? Or that, uh, that um, Sydney to Hobart race where there was the big storms and the, the men died and, and um, there was a water spout near the maxis and they needed to be rescued. Friends, you and I have been rescued from a greater danger, from the dominion of darkness, from the evil one, from the one who wants to destroy you. We've been rescued. Jesus said when he came out to earth and he sent his disciples out to preach and to heal, you know what he said? He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. His power's gone. There's only so much he can do to the world now. He can't take you away from God and he can't take the gospel away from you either. You have been rescued and you have fullness, fullness for life in Jesus Christ. That's the message of Colossians. Uh, when we were um, serving at Randwick Presby Church, there was a missionary that came to speak to us um, from, from Europe, from Hungary. He was an Aussie. His name was Granville Pillar, and uh, recently his wife had just passed away. And he told us a story about her last moments, that she was uh, talking to him, I don't know if it was in the hospital or where it was, and uh, about his life without her. And she looked at him and she said, Jesus is all you need. 
Is that true for you? That's the message of Colossians. So let us be steadfast in that in our life and hold on to him. Let's pray. Our Lord, we, we thank you for the great rescue that you have won for us in the gospel. We thank you for the courage of Jesus to go to the cross for us. Lord, we thank you for the power of the gospel and we pray that we would always trust in the gospel and, and not in the things of this world. Lord, help us to uh, bear the, the fruit of the Christian life. Uh, help us to grow in our endurance and patience and our joy in you. Uh, fill us with your spirit of wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of God that we might be used of you in this world. Lord, uh, we pray that as we keep looking at your word from week to week, our Father, that um, by your spirit and through your word, you will grow us into uh, stronger Christians, people that are used by you for your glory and doing the works of love. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.